Hi, this is Ryan. And this is Brandon. And welcome to episode 5 of Hide and Go Seek. Um, I don't know why you're still listening. I think by the first three episodes you should have turned out, tuned out, but... Um, it's but amazing. Thanks. I, I think we've, like, aggressively tried to get people to listen, to not listen harder than any podcast. Just, yeah. like, our mission statement. By discussing fast food and all just, like, greasy, crazy stuff, <laughs> and then... So we're going to give you, this episode, we're going to go even more niche um, and try to alienate more people. So um, basically, just to introduce the concept of this episode, it's going to be, um, the brand's going to explain some uh, sample video games to me, because if, just give you a little bit more background, uh, brands, uh, would you say, kind of sore in video games, or just not, just knowledgeable, just basic knowledgeable about video games. I would say that. I would, um, yeah, I would say, like, if to give a good kind of idea, um, I'm very interested in the history of video games, but also the weird parts of them that kind of get left out. Like, the, I'm very interested in the development of video games in relation to, uh, similar to how it works in, like, TV and movies. Like, what are the weird failures of, of games over the years? And then, while I'm on the other end where I don't really understand video games, I mean, I do understand them. I like playing sometimes, but, like, um, at my peak uh, enjoyment of video games was probably GameCube uh, with Mario Baseball, and that just crushed my soul. So, I don't <laughs> want to go into that. That's just a sad, sad story about me getting so angry at Mario Baseball, I crushed my GameCube. <laughs> no, it's still, it's still working. It's just it, it it's a it's a long story. Anyway, so but that's my um, extent of video game pleasure and pain, and it all <laughs> ends with that game. So, um, but no, um, just to, but I'm just not as I I never got into video games, but there's nothing wrong with uh, loving video games. A lot of people love them, and um, I just uh, I haven't I'm just not as infatuated with them, but just. Just that, just to give you a little bit more background. So, so we want to do with this one. We're gonna Brandon's gonna talk about five games that he took that were particularly have interesting histories to them, or that even the games themselves, like the plot lines or the design, is just a little out there. He just wants to get my actual reaction, and then even just to inform the audience of like just interesting facts about like if people even if listening to this, people know about video games. Or want to learn more about it? They're gonna to listen to this and then have real time reaction from someone who's gonna be scared and <laughs> afraid of uh, what what these Shock. what these games are. So, without further ado, I'll uh, let Brand take it. And if you want to try to you know start this up. Yeah. So I I wanted to go into uh, some games that were some that people will mostly know my name or have played and some. Some you might not have heard of or know as well. Um, first on the list, and I think this is this is probably the most uh, like the most notable and and recognizable, I would say, of the list, and it's uh, Super Mario Brothers Two. Now I'll I'll jump in here just to, so from my basic knowledge, I just talked about Mario Baseball. Um, <coughs> sorry, um, <laughs> I still get a reaction from that. Uh, so, but just Mario by itself, it's just, it started with Donkey Kong, obviously, and, you know, it's just simple, it's like one of the first video games, and, and then it spawned a full franchise from there, just the, the side-scrolling, you know, jumping up and down, you know, stuff like that, but, yeah, I know very, you know, just the basic knowledge of it, and I, I have fun with some of the games, not Mario Baseball, of course, <laughs> um, uh, but, um, yeah, so, um, but take it away, what, 
What makes Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, especially interesting? So the reason why I picked it, and uh, I was thinking about this, I think this is a bold statement, but I would say that I think Mario as a character in a franchise is one of the most uh, popular in the world. But what I found fascinating is that uh, the fact that, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Super Mario Brothers 2 is n- not actually a Mario game. Okay. What, what's that mean? That's a, yeah, that, 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 that sentence doesn't make any sense with the name being Super Mario Brothers 2. Did you know 2. that Mario Base was not actually a Mario <laughs> game? It's just the spawn of the devil and made the, <laughs> try to, to destroy my soul, which it did. It's more of an experiment on, uh, by <laughs> designers to see like how they can implement torture. It's a, it's a torture can, device. It's, I think they... <laughs> It was too harsh for Gitmo, I think. Was, I, think yeah. they, I think they dismissed that. <laughs> they decided not to you know, bring it, but they went straight, marketed it straight for teenagers and the odds. So <laughs> keep going. So what I found fascinating is that uh, Super Mario Bros. 2 for Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, uh, it did not start out as a Super Mario Bros. game. Which so the sequel to Super Mario Brothers, uh, the original being uh, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers one, one of the most popular games of all time. I think I would say that that first level, um, World One One, is probably one of is it's probably the most uh, like iconic levels in video game. When you start up, it's the, uh, the the Goombas coming at you and the and the blocks above you. That's everyone knows that, but. The thing is with Super Mario Bros. 2 is that it was originally a game called it was Doki Doki Panic, which of course is the most uh, the most just insane name you can have for a video game. But it was in, in Japan and it was it was being made by a team s- separate from the, uh, the the regular people who are making Super Mario Brothers. But what's interesting with Super Mario Brothers One is that it comes out hugely successful, like everyone loves it, and others d- uh, the demand for more. What's the next game in this series? And they're working on it, and they come out, and they have a pretty much a full game of Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan, but it's deemed too difficult for audiences in America. You know, they kind of look at us as like we're the flubs, we're, we're we're the scrubs of uh, video game fans. In your opinion, is that true that it was too tough for American audiences? So I've had, so personally, I'm not very good at Super Mario Bros., but I've <laughs> Definitely read history. Uh, definitely read up on people who are actually good, uh, like enthusiasts of games, and it's it's actually a very tough game. It's very difficult. Like it's as much as people probably like make fun of people now who are like, oh, people uh, like w- w- with gamers aren't as good as they used to be. Or they're not as tough. But you no, know, Super Mario Brothers Two is jacked. Like that is a that is a tough game. That is it's not fair like at all in parts. It just does not let up, and it's not fun at that point. It's like, it's more frustrating than it is fun compared to the first game. Like most video games should be. More frustrating <laughs> than fun. That's the classic game. Say, like, people people will, will like, uh, pretty much, like, uh, argue that to death, that, like, games should be tough, but let's say it in here now. Games should be fun. I think that's a rule among games. I don't know. That's a pretty bold statement. I don't know if uh, <laughs> you want to you step back on that, or okay. you want to put your foot down on that. Maybe I should. I should um, ga- games should be you should want to break your controller for a game. I don't. That's um, more like it. That's yeah. That's <laughs> that's what Nintendo wants. So mm-hmm. with uh, Super Mario Brothers two in Japan, it's getting a little confusing. I'm about to refer to them 
in separate ways. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan, it, it comes out. It's available to audiences out there, and, and people like it. It's very well received. But there's a lack of Super Mario Brothers 2 in America. So instead of making a whole nother game for America, they take this other game, Stoki Doki Panic, which, uh, it, as you can notice just from the name, that's not Super Mario Brothers. So what they do is they go in, they change all the characters, just the skins. Like they pretty much take the entire game and pretty much like paste over the the main characters with the different sprites. So they, instead they of they skin the characters alive and then put the skin the skin Mario Brothers alive, <laughs> put the skins over the skin to other characters. Like um, a Hannibal Lecter type, <laughs> right? It's sort of like that, but yeah. not in real life. It's, it's like kind of a, it's like a Terminator. They just like kind of take like the exoskeleton. No, no, I can see what it's going. <laughs> so just keeps, I think of uh, yeah, just like um, the Terminator, like the half like half of his face blown off, but like Mario, like Mario's face half like blown off, but the Terminator eye. Well, can we, just, well, like, just a request. Can someone make this game now? The <laughs> Mario Terminator hybrid. <laughs> I'm sure it's yeah. already been done, but I want, <laughs> I want to play it now. So, with development on this, Doki Doki Panic, it's the, it's not a very, it's not very successful. Like people, are, the development's like it's fine. People not really like it. They're worried about the overall release of it. If they released it over here in America, I don't think it would uh, have done. It would have done fine, but they needed something to really. Just get your attention. So they, they take all the Mario characters, character, characters, they put them over the main sprites of the main characters. There's four main characters in, in that game. So they take, with Mario, he's placed into the first one, and his, um, you know, his, uh, his abilities are, as usual, he can run a medium speed, he can jump regular speed, but the other characters have, like, special abilities, different ways of playing, so it, uh, you can find your own, kind of, particular way of progressing through the game. Uh, with Luigi, he's uh, picked as the second character, and he's and his ability is that he can... And they've actually used this uh, over time. They've uh, had Luigi... Uh, he can jump higher, where he'll jump, and then he'll, he'll do this thing where he'll wiggle his feet, and just kind of like... He'll just, he'll just gain a little more uh, like height in the air. As evidence in Super Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually like a big part of it. It's like, I think a big part of the the Mario characters' like personalities come from too, which is fascinating to think about. It, it, with it not really being a Mario game, but now then influencing the rest of the series. And uh, the two other characters are Peach or or Daisy. It depends on uh, it, it, it depends on which version it is because the, the hair can change, but uh, with Peter and uh, her ability is that she can float in the air, where she'll jump and then she'll keep at that height and then just like float across, which is hugely uh, helpful for like certain levels when you just you don't want to fight people, you just hop over them, just float. The last character is Toad, who can jump not as quickly, but who can uh, run faster but jump a little bit shorter than everyone else. Interesting. Uh, so I. So I uh, just wanted to get like a real reaction to that. Like, um, so basically they Super Mario's so Mario and Luigi, and they're like, okay, we're done. But they're like, oh shit, there's four more skins. <laughs> oh, uh, 
<laughs> okay, we'll just there's, there's a woman, and then we'll just make her another one with brown hair. <laughs> and then this, did they invent Yoshi for this game? No, Yoshi comes a little bit later. So wait, so did they? But there is something connected to Yoshi. I think they'll be interested. Um, probably not. But um, <laughs> no, did they? So when they made like the four skins, so it's Mario, Luigi, Peach slash Daisy. Yeah. Um, and then Yoshi. So you did Yoshi Post, come in the first? Toad. toad, toad. Yeah, that's right. sorry. Um, I'm free. I'm mixing up my fictional bullshit characters. <laughs> um, so did they invent in Toad for this game? So uh, with Toad, he actually he appeared in the uh, Super Mario Brothers one. Bullshit. But... <laughs> But with he was more of a just a side character. He just show up and as he like, should be. He didn't. <laughs> Toad is garbage. We'll he's, just put that he's a like, garbage, garbage just, character. This, this is actually the, the whole. There's like point fifty of million of them. <laughs> and I feel like if you're, it's just Toad is trash. Can we just yeah. get that away? Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but I think with yeah, it was interesting with Toad in the first Super Mario Brothers. He's like he shows up and he tells you, oh, you know the the prince is in. No, the castle, the castle, but that's that's all he says and that's all he does. But in this, he, he like you never really got. Guess what? You get to play as him. <laughs> that, <laughs> just, people, that just enticed everyone. Like, I don't want to play as Mario. I want to play as that guy. That guy who said like five lines in <laughs> after every level, like kind well, of a dick. Yeah. I can't want more. Know more about him. <laughs> and then they didn't expand on his character <laughs> like, whatsoever. Executive, like you know, who who are they clamoring for? What are the fans just? Like that toad guy. guy. Yeah. He's named after a fucking toad. <laughs> maybe, maybe they were like, they're eating like salad and like someone had like a mushroom and they're like, wait a minute. What about, and then just, that's how toad came into <laughs> being quite the character. And, um, it was, so he was kind of like, he's known as a toad, I guess. And then, but this was kind of cemented as like, you no, know, he is toad. It's like, like, it's like Prince. We're just like known as one, one word So name. incredibly stupid. It's so incredibly <laughs> stupid. Anyway, I'm not to pass judgment whatsoever, but, but what keep I, going. What I also found fascinating is that uh, a kind of like uh, a more famous character that I think you, you you have seen before, particularly in Super Mario Baseball, uh, is Birdo. His first appearance <sighs> in Super Mario 2. The worst. <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> Garbage. Uh, if I could erase just that character from every system and every game, I would do that in a heartbeat. Just go back in time and just like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah just find the original Super Mario Brothers 2 demo and just smash with the sledgehammer. That's it. Just correct so, everything. So you're saying Birdo started in Mario Brothers 2? Yes. Uh, uh, Birdo Why? Was actually, <laughs> Birdo actually took the place of Bowser as like the the final boss's most levels. Oh, that's the worst decision I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Bowser's actually, like, marginally scary. He's, yeah, intimidating. Roberto is just a weird puppet. Like a bird pink, puppet. Just bastard. Uh, yeah, you would think, like, something... At the end of the level, you would think, like, oh, I gotta get past Bowser. That's scary. You're just like, I need to get past him. But Birdo's like... I just want to get past oh. him. He's so annoying. <laughs> I'm so done with this character. And what's really annoying about Birdo, I feel like, is that... Uh, do, do you know how to defeat Birdo? I don't give a shit, but go so, ahead. <laughs> well, with Birdo... Uh, she or he, it's hard to explain. That's another whole mystery. Um, actually, with, with, with Birdo, they uh, shoot eggs at you, and then you have to jump on top of the eggs, and then pick the egg up, and then throw it at Birdo. Uh, that sounds familiar. So yeah, that's a big part of Super Mario Brothers 2, is a, is a big departure from the, the first game, was that instead of just jumping on enemies, which is in the first game, you had to do you would have to uh, pluck either like uh, uh, onions from the, the grass, and then throw them at, and then throw them at enemies, or you could pick up other enemies, 
and throwing throwing at another enemy to kind of knock them both out. Would you say that's an improvement or just just a cool development? I think it's it's a deviation that works uh, in some parts. I think are like really are really innovative and like kind of a way to they did some really cool stuff that I was like really really fascinated by. Like there's um the 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 pal block also makes perfect first uh, actually comes back from uh from Mario Brothers the before the Super Mario Brothers is the 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 one screen kind of um with the with, with all the turtles with the spikes. So this kind of comes back and you can use that. You can pick it up and you can like throw it and it'll kind of like hit the ground a few times and and, and kill everyone. And there's some really cool ideas, but it's a but it's difficult to say if it's a good game or like even a good Mario game since it has such a weird development history where it's not particularly like a Mario game to begin with, but does that still make it a Mario game? What would your final verdict be? Well, I guess finish. Well, and then so the final steps, I think you explained before, but what are the final uh, steps of the actual Mario, the Japanese from Mario Brothers 2 coming to America? Explain how that all finishes up and wraps up. It's a good question. So what happens with that original uh, from prototype sort of uh, of the Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan is that eventually it comes over and it's labeled as Super Mario Brothers it's the Lost Levels, which you've you've might have heard of, and kind of in passing, maybe it's it's usually included in like collections, or you'll see them on like uh, on like a um, Super Mario Brothers uh, like anniversary thing. It'll be like, oh, here's a, a side game for you. And as I was saying, that game is tough. Like that game does not take any prisoners. It's just not not a friendly game, and it's kind of interesting in a weird way of the development history of having. Uh, eventually looking back and seeing like the bare bones version of what they wanted to do eventually with Super Mario Brothers 3 with Super Mario Brothers 2 being kind of like this test run and then like not quite getting it but then kind of like they did like a pivot into Super Mario Brothers 2 which overall I I think Super Mario Brothers 2 is a very important game I don't I'm not good at it I'm very bad at that game but I think it's fascinating to look at in terms of, of games history as very uh, weird time in games where they were not entirely sure how to make a sequel and kind of also innovate on those the same time without just trying to be like, here's here's the next game, but it's all the same stuff, but more levels. So I think it is interesting to look at as in terms of sequels being uh, not like the first game. Did it get, maybe did it do a good job in like establishing like the further like universe of Mario? I think that's a big part of it. I think that I, I really like a lot. I love about that game is that uh, it established um, it was, it was Birdo as a first as an antagonist, but then eventually as kind of a companion to Yoshi. Alright, never mind. I hate this game. <laughs> never mind. But another thing is like you might not know about, but um, those bob bombs are, are from oh, Super wow. Mario Bros. too. I love know. those. One of my like, I think one of the the cutest like little enemies. Who, sounds silly saying that, but they're just adorable little little bombs with like feet and faces. Um, and then also shy guys first appearance, oh, yeah. which those too. Eventually, are more minions of Bowser. And what's interesting is that I want to leave kind of like this question to the audience, it's kind of like a philosophical question about Super Mario Brothers too, is that it's uh, it begins with Mario having a dream. And he then enters that dream, and he experiences the entire game. 
So what I'm asking is, are all these characters in Super Mario Bros. in Super Mario Bros. 2, who are in Mario's dream, are they just a figment of Mario's imagination that are then able to pass off, pass into our into his reality, or are they constructed from his experiences in the Mushroom Kingdom, are then made into uh, subconscious trying to get through some unforeseen trauma we have he we haven't seen before. Either Bredo's a piece of shit. That's all we. That's all that matters from that game. <laughs> that's the, that's the real answer. That's and all that I I absorb from that talk. That <laughs> discussion. But yeah, okay. uh, in terms of sequels, I think it's time to move on to our next game, and kind of let's. I want to break this down one a little bit more. Uh, kind of like a rough uh, history of, uh, from your perspective. What do you know about? Um, the game series is Metal Gear Solid. Um, just basic knowledge uh, that it's, you know, I think it's like a action-adventure game. It's like spy kind of. Uh, yeah. And then it's like very, it's like lots of different characters. One character has an eye patch, a metal arm. Yeah, actually that's... Snake, is it a, based Snake. off Snake Pilsen? Yes, From uh, Escape from New York? Yeah, that, that was a huge influence on and then uh, that's Seriously. where my knowledge is. <laughs> and all, and I know good. that there's many games. That's there it. is a lot. I was going to say, it dates back to, uh, on, I think it's Super Nintendo. Oof, it's bonkers. Which is, yeah, it's like, it goes back to uh, kind of like the 2D kind of era, of, uh, kind of like a top-down uh, view. If you're not familiar how it looks, I would say like, sort of like the first Zelda games, which is kind of like, you go up and down and kind of like, uh, that kind of style. So we could do a whole podcast on just Metal Gear Solid, like the <laughs> franchise. But uh, you you wanted to highlight Metal Gear Solid Two as a particularly interesting development history and just the concept of the game itself. So just lay it on me, and I'm ready to not criticize it whatsoever. <laughs> so I want to, I want to get your reaction on this. I think it's be fascinating. Uh, kind of as a question is that you mentioned you you knew the character Snake, who is uh, for those that don't know in the first game. Or in the first two games, Metal Gear, he's the main character, and then Metal Gear Solid, which is the first game uh, in 3D on the on the PlayStation One, he's also the main character and uh, he's great. Wait, but, who? Sorry, Snake. Oh, it was uh, a Solid Snake. Yeah. Was that the the the, the eye patch guy? Uh, eventually, uh, he does. He'll get his eye patch. He will. He does actually get an eye patch eventually. Good. But there's also another person with an eye patch. What? Wait. <laughs> your just your reaction. That's actually the perfect like. That's that was basically a cutscene from in Metal Gear Solid. It's a lot of like, wait, what? <laughs> and then just uh, or or they have like a codec thing where it'll be conversations. Will just be like, uh, well, yeah, okay. So it, it would just be like a big revelation and be like, wait, what? What? And just yeah, just a lot of that. So uh, we'll be here all day just trying to figure out the the whole the story of the franchise. So it's too much. Where where do we start off in Metal Gear Solid Two or wherever you want to start? What I think is fascinating, uh, kind of as a question, uh, who do you think is the main character in Metal Gear Solid Two? Uh, okay, let me try to be as specific as possible. <laughs> the guy with the eye patch and the metal arm <laughs> and the long hair. Close, actually. Uh, he would have said that. Well, so to be specific, it's a solid snake for the first two hours of the game. Oh, which is <laughs> that really, sounds dumb. It's it's pretty fascinating. So what happens is that uh, I'll kind of give you into, into kind of like what the, the game does. 
first two hours of the game is a great uh, mission. It's called, I think it's the Tiger mission. Uh, so you, you sneak on as Solid Snake. There's some, some terrorists who are threatening uh, to do something with no gear. It's been a while. And this, that plot's complicated. But, but as Solid Snake, you sneak on. You're doing your thing. It's the usual kind of like, it's a pretty awesome like, first mission. You're really sneaking around. You play for two hours. And then the game switches on you, and you start playing as a different character. And to give you perspective on this, they didn't say anything about this other character before the game was released. And so you just, you're expecting the whole the whole time before going in, you're going to be playing a Solid Snake, you're going to get a good Solid Snake adventure. So what would be a good analogy for listeners, like, if this was a movie, what would it be like? If, um... I'm trying to think like if it was a movie you like all the trailers would have shown you uh like this like a uh the main character doing all this stuff and then when you get into the actual movie 20 minutes and let's say the main character dies oh so it's like having a batman movie where the first 20 minutes is batman and then it kind of suddenly switches to like jimmy olsen a seven-year-old and, like Basically, dealing with yeah. old age or something like that just that, that tonal switch like, yeah you just uh you had no idea so the main character you switch to is called uh it's Raiden which is a pretty great name on, on itself. But the thing is, he's kind of a dork. He's a, like, blonde hair. He's, like, really Don't long. Don't talk about riding my riding like that. <laughs> he's, like, this dorky, weird-looking, like, uh, almost like an, like, he looks like a, like an early 2000s, like, punk band and a lead singer. I like this already. But <laughs> but what's uh, what's interesting is that, like, they, they said nothing about this before, and even... In the lead up, the hype for Muggier Solid 2 was like through the roof. Like one of the most anticipated games. The E3 trailer is still talked about in um, like uh, among people in the industry. There, there was like a, there was like a, um, there was almost um, there was like a, a tangible kind of a feeling to after that trailer first premiered at E3 that people just loved it. They were excited. What year did this? Well, the trailer at least debut. I think it was. I'm, I think it was like 2000, 2001. Wow. It's around there. Yeah. And it's, it is fascinating. It, this is also like we can get to another whole podcast about Metal Gear Solid, but it is interesting to look at its views, its uh, approach to like terrorism in that time, and especially considering it was placed in New York uh, and a lot of it, what it approaches in that game. But what's interesting is that, so they have that trailer, everyone's like super pumped. They're going to see the next chapter of Metal Gear Solid with Solid Snake. And, and the game comes out, you play Solid Snake for two hours, the rest of the time you play is, is right in. And it feels like kind of a cop-out, but I think it's an interesting way of kind of having uh, Kojima, uh, that's his last name, uh, he was the, the game's director, kind of playing with the audience and playing with their expectations. And it's a, I think it's a running theme in that series that he, you think you know what you want, and then he pulls it back at the last second. You think you want to adventure with Salt Snake, but he pulls it back at the last second to give you a whole other perspective on on the on the uh, the world of Mogir Solid. Gives you ride in, and it's really fascinating because it's and looking back on it, it's a very cool idea of kind of give, like changing that character up because they would then do that in the next two games. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll yeah, I'll go through this really, really quickly. In Metal Gear Solid 3, it's actually a prequel to the entire series. Goes back oh, that's the, blowing my mind. <laughs> it goes back before all the other games happened, and it's about uh, this big boss. 
who is actually the villain. Does he have an eye patch? He eventually does. This what? is where he gets his eye patch. He gets all all jacked up. What? Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, another thing is that it has probably the coolest motorcycle sequence in a video game. Does that motorcycle have an eye patch? <laughs> They're real quick. They put it over or the, the, oh, headlight. the headlight. Yeah. Uh, I can't see. <laughs> and oh, what's interesting is that like so. Uh, he's called um, he's naked snake and that because just be like he's he can go in without anything just be able to complete the mission. But is he literally naked? <laughs> well, he does get naked. Of course, oh. but, uh, <laughs> I'm less weird, interested. Weird in this game. Uh, <laughs> but what I found fascinating is that like it's kind of it's a it's a deconstruction of you playing uh, as these characters that you go in uh, you you like you know as big boss but you kind of see the evolution of why he becomes a villain. And they, they would eventually go back to also as a prequel in in the fifth game. Um, but you kind of see, like, he's he's a patriot, and he's uh, he works for his country, and he's very loyal to it. But over the course of the game, he kind of gets ground down into, like, just the bare bones of who he is. And it's kind of asking you to sympathize with a, a villain and an eventual, a global terrorist. And you kind of understand why he commits treason against his country. As long as he has an eye patch, I'll listen to anything listen. He has to say. <laughs> but then it's interesting then looking back and then looking back at at um at the fourth game where it has uh it's kinda like a flash forward from the second game to the future. Uh like a not too far future, but it's just enough to have uh Solid Snake now old, now with an eye patch. I think you'd be interested. So, what games does he actually have an eye patch in? Like Solid Snake. So, so Solid Snake, he ha- he only has an eye patch in the fourth game. Okay, kind of as a I'm out. Kinda, the first three games. <laughs> kind of as a uh, parallel to he he was a. I feel like I had to like cut down so much on like the details, but uh, Solid Snake is a clone of Big Boss. Um, yeah, Snake this is a game old too. He's getting he's getting, he's getting too like like the just like Spider Man in the nineties uh, plot lines, but um. So that's interesting. I've always like he always like how he is parallel to his uh, to his clone father. We'll definitely have to we'll spin off into an actual <laughs> Metal Gear Solid podcast where I'll just be like, what the whole time? Yeah, yeah. I'll go through college. But just to um to finish up the Metal Gear Solid. So what makes Metal Gear Solid two? Uh, so you explain that um have uh, you know two hours into the game. You play as this Raiden character. Um, yeah. Is are, is it actually fun as this character? It's still the same. It's the same controls, same mechanics, the same way you would play it as South Saint. In in the end, was this game a success? It was a huge success, like and one of the biggest. Very well games. received. People didn't, even though it was a it was a weird shock. People didn't freak out because of this change. It's very divisive, and I think that's what I like like so much about it. Is kind of like one of those big games that, not because of the mechanics, but because of the actual, uh, the narrative of the game is why it's so divisive. People are like, "Oh, it's the cool, the coolest thing, uh, Kojima could have done," and he's an, he's an and so they kind of introduced this idea of like an altruism in uh, in games where we've never had like kind of like a shift in narrative like that so quickly in a game that kind of questioned uh, what it means to be that character. And I think it's fascinating to think about, like, what it does for the audience, where it's, uh, you think, like, 
you go in, I'm going to play as this character, and it switches it up, and, like, if you feel, if you don't like that, like, it's almost the, it's almost the creator's kind of asking, like, but why did you play this game in the first place? Was it just to play as Solid Snake? But yes. this is the same, <laughs> this is the same story. And I found that really fascinating, where it's just, like, instead of, uh, instead of just being, like, um, that, like, people being, like, oh, this game sucks because of the gameplay, People think it sucks because of the character shift. Well, let me ask you some. Why did people like Solid Snake before he got the eye patch? <laughs> oh, I think what's really cool about Solid Snake that I love is that he's like the basic way to simplify him is that he's a great soldier. But and he, but there's contrast between that. He like people call him a great soldier, and he's not really. He fights against a lot of like people in that series who have crazy ass powers like there's a guy who's a psychic who can like get into your brain figure things out there's like there's cyborg ninjas uh Ooh. which ride in eventually he becomes a cyborg ninja Ooh. well why didn't like, they start with this you would think yeah he, he has a sword for a little bit and he does well i will say he's like fuck this sword i'm gonna get this <laughs> mop like, that's what it sounds like it's like. a silencer uh silence gun well i will say they get you interested in the game the ending is ride in uh sword fighting the president on top of the roof which president? It's a fake president who is also a super villain. Not to get political, but <laughs> could it be it's pretty cl- Wait a president? Well, you okay? Now I'm changing the subject. Um, <laughs> thinking about uh, um, but yeah. So then, Ryan eventually becomes a badass uh robot ninja. I like that. So that's kind of the history of Metal Gear Solid and why it's really dis- the divisive against uh, with fans. Interesting. I, I really want to explore. I don't actually want to play these games because they'll just blow my mind in a bad way. <laughs> I think but they're pretty difficult too. That's the only thing. Yeah. I, I think we do need to do another podcast where, and I'm not going to read about these because they'll also blow my mind. I think you have to explain <laughs> to me like I was a five year old. Yeah. About how this guy gets a mustache. No, sorry, eye patch. He, Does he, he get a mustache? He also, he also gets a mustache. Oh, what, exa- at the like, same time, or he, before, or after. At the same time, he has um. Uh, that makes sense. It's like a gray, like he has old and gray. And he gets a mustache. Gray. Yeah. I don't know why I said mustache. I probably <laughs> just saw him with a mustache one time. Eventually, yeah. He like he looks like Commissioner Gordon with a like with an eye patch. Okay, okay, I can get, I'm I can get behind this. Yeah. All right, we'll definitely um visit this topic further. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid, the franchise. All right, so and that was I like that. That actually uh, surprisingly piqued my interest. Uh, with the first one, Super Mario Bros. Kind of like. Made me angry because it remembers <laughs> just like flashbacks to uh, it's the root of the problem. It's, and then it's where Berto came from. I hate, I hate him. Uh, but with Metal Gear Solid, it's more intriguing, and I want it's curious curiosity to factor. I'm just wanting to see what those games are all about, and it kind of like makes me want to learn more about them. But okay, yeah. so but moving on, um, what's the next game you want to um, talk about? So the next game I want to talk about, and <laughs> I'm laughing because I think you'll uh, some people will will know why is. Uh, Stuke Nukem Forever. So, want me to just say what I know about this game? Yeah, that'd be great. All right, nothing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can. I remember seeing. Well, I think that's probably cover. the cover. Yeah, okay, the cover. Well, at least to not this game in particular, but to past game, Duke Nukem, it's a big guy with a big gun in front of like destroyed buildings. You know, that's actually in the entire series. Like that's it. I'm, I'm just up. describing the. The picture on the front of a yeah. box I saw, I used to see back in my, you know, <laughs> that's actually in the early two thousand. The entirety of my, my notes here. Uh, <laughs> um, but 
yeah, that's actually why. What that would be a really fascinating part to, to go into with Duke Nukem Forever, but it's gonna give you a little bit of history. Duke Nukem as a character was like kind of in the heyday of like sort of uh, '90s uh, video games, the 3D first-person shooter, similar look to Doom and like Castlevania and stuff, like kind of like the uh, big kind of side scrolling, yeah, like. Uh, Left to right, and you kind of like uh, killing enemies like that. I know Castlevania. What was the first one you said? It was Doom. Oh yes, I kind of know that. Which is like they're like the good versions of Duke Nukem. Like Duke Nukem Forever is, uh, just it tries so hard to be. Edgy. Those two games. Yeah, they, they pretty much it takes those takes those like mechanics of those games and is, is going to be like we're going to be in your face and like hardcore and just muscles and. Badass guns and so stuff. Before you dive into Duke Nukem Forever, th- so did was there a first Duke, Duke Nukem or is this the first game you're talking about? Um, there was a few before this. This so, is and they're yeah. all just, in your opinion, not good games. Fine, I think at the just kind of ripoffs. Pretty much, I think like there's probably some parts of it that are like cool stuff, but I feel like everything in that time period and genre has was done better or in a more interesting way by other games and I I think are like more valuable. Like Doom is still still a really, really good game. And like there's still there's still like shooters from that time period I think are like solid. I I think uh like System Shock Two still a like phenomenal game and like stuff like uh and in Goldeneye, which is like one of the best shooters I know of all that time. Game. <laughs> what like probably one of the best shooters and games of all time. I agree. They kind of just crushed Duke Nukem in a way that's like Nukem was just the the flashy versions of of other great games that might not have had as much attention. So it's like the Michael Bay. That's a perfect way to put it, actually. Yeah. Versions of like better action films. Basically. Yeah. Like if uh, Doom is John Woo, then Duke Nukem is Michael Bay. Yeah. I like that. That's a good comparison. Uh, so what I think is fascinating with uh, Duke Nukem Forever, uh, I want to give you the release date it was in 2011. 2011, so that was only five years ago. That's five years, yeah. I, I, you know, I was still in college. I was uh, 21, so I, you'd think I'd... So I remember this game coming out was a huge deal. Yeah, it was pretty big. Do you, uh, do you, uh, and are you curious why? Um, why it was so big? Why? It took 15 years for this game to come out. Oof, was it worth those 15 years? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... If you think... If you think games from that time period have aged badly, games that have been in that 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 time of development with that mentality have aged like milk in the sun. Like it's That's rough. Harsh. It's, it's a bad image too. Just like imagine just like a carton of milk someone like threw on the side of the road in July and just like for fifteen years. <laughs> but July all the time. <laughs> The 100 degree weather for 15 years. <laughs> Direct sunlight, just highway, like just so laying on the side of I'm, the road. I'm bad at math. What is 15 years from 2011? <laughs> Give me a second. Uh, <laughs> that was, it's about 1996. Holy so, shit. Yeah, that's, wait, is that right? Yeah, that, that is right. That's 1996. 15? That's, so in that time period, what you, um, you, you just said you were in college, and that means you graduated high school and were almost done co- t- college in the time period that Dude Nukem Forever was taking was uh, taking its time to be developed. That's about right. Yeah. It's a 
that's it's pretty unbelievable. So weirdly enough about Duke Nukem Forever is that it took so long to come out, and I'll kind of go to the end point, but kind of like uh, hit some other points along the way. Uh, along the way, they had some gameplay early on, but it was like 1996, and they were promising some like amazing things. They're like, this is gonna change shooters. This is gonna be like the next great thing, and uh, along the way there was a lot of system changes. Like, by that point, we were still playing N64 and PlayStation, and I think Dreamcast was probably, like, in there somewhere, but who really cares about that system? Uh, unless you're crazy. A huge Sega head. <laughs> That's a, yeah. Uh, and along the way, we had a lot of a lot of console shifts, and games changed while Nukem <coughs> was kind of, like, so uh, we can even So... Pass Xbox debuts in like early two thousands. Yeah, Huge Xbox three sixty debuts yes. in two thousands. Like six, six, six seven. Yeah. Xbox Probably. One debuts. That's a little bit late. That's no, twenty thirteen. So, anyway, so, so that's past. But anyway, right, just right. Uh, to give you some time frame. PlayStation right, two debuts. PlayStation three debuts. Yeah. GameCube debuts. GameCube. We debuts. Yeah. We have uh, a DS. You, you have whole PSP. franchises of different games yeah. coming and going almost. Yeah, there's like we have huge developments, innovation of, from games that, like, kind of groundbreaking, uh, like, shooters that Halo comes out. Halo Duke comes Nukem out. Right, yeah. Halo 2, Halo 3, they got three games out before Duke Nukem, like, can get another one out. And I feel like they kind of, so a reason why it, it, like, it just, it was taking so long, and along the way, they were promising, they were promising gameplay footage, but weird things happened where people got to see it in secret, and then you just hear nothing about it. Each year, people will be like, this is the year we're going to hear about Duke Nukem Forever at E3. Which is kind of like the big, uh, is the, the, the Games Expo. Kind of like, it's, um, it's Comic-Con, but for games. Um, it's been around for a while. Every year, people are like, this is it. We're going to hear about it. This is going to be the game that's going to come out. And then it just kept passing by. Another, another comparison, uh, Chinese Democracy for Guns N' Roses. It's perfect, yeah. Uh, any, something like that. I think that came out before... A little bit before Duke Nukem Forever came out, that was like it's like took a like somehow it's been there's like a couple other things I feel like in media are taking this long, but like so Duke Nukem Forever also then around 2008 or nine has a uh, a CG like like a a teaser trailer to let you know they're still working on it. You know Duke he's still he's still coming, but it's a it's a CG trailer of just Duke, like, he's working out, he's, like, doing his, his curls with his weights, and then it's, uh, eventually comes out in 2011, and the reason why I think it's really did not work as a game, not only was the gameplay just lackluster and had been passed by, by, like, tons of other games, but also the attitude of, uh, Duke Nukem Forever is very much, uh, it, like the original games were supposed to be a '90s uh, satire on '80s action heroes. So this, the, at this point, where it's a 2011 game using a '90s like uh, n- a '90s satire attitude on '80s action hero cliches. So many levels of shit right there. <laughs> just the just piled down. Piled, to yeah, just shit and shit and shit. To give you a pers- perspective on it, and it might be one of the most controversial parts of the game, and it's frankly just a 
embarrassing part is that uh, plotline is just very goofy, kind of like with with, with Duke. Well, he's from pretending. a title called Jude Nukem. I would only expect sophistication, <laughs> but just explain what this silly plotline would be. Uh, with aliens invade the Earth. And, oh, okay, that's pretty sophisticated. <laughs> Duke is the only one who can save us. Naturally. But to give you, man, this is kind of like it's pretty. I'm like secondhand embarrassment for the the games developers. Um, the aliens invade Earth, but then they start. Uh, they like start kidnapping only uh, the Earth women. I'm gonna stop you right there. <laughs> that seems pretty shitty. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. But keep going. So, man, I like. Man, I shouldn't even Makes you sick. Kind of like, talking about it because it's getting really good. Um, at one point, there's a level kind of the kind of like middle of the game with Duke. He uh, walks into a room and uh, all these women have been uh, impregnated by. The aliens, they're going to birth the uh, new aliens from from them. And they kind of talk to Duke, and they tell him, uh, like, oh, they did all this, they, they're torturing us. And then uh, Duke, I can't remember what he says, but he makes a joke, and then you have to then start executing these women uh, who are pregnant with alien babies. So this came to positive reviews, right? Like, this <laughs> whole game... Glowing. Glowing yeah. reviews from everyone... In every market, <laughs> but no, no. <laughs> to answer your question, yeah, it's uh, like even then people are like, "This is dog shit." Like, just even just that, like that one scene is one of many gross and just uh, very dumb at this point, and just uh, very immature. Not even like a funny way. It's just like immature and just like cringy, like. Like, Duke has then, he has at that point turned into the guy that you don't want to hang out from your hometown, who's, he's still uh, hanging around high school, like, after he graduated, he's, like, the coolest dude there, he, he, he balls, he, like, yeah, he, he kind of hangs out at high school parties, and he's so only there, because he making, like, he sexist and homophobic jokes. And yeah, like you're that. just like, oh, cool, man, you're just kind of, like, kind of to be, it kind of has a laugh uncomfortably, you just know he's not, like, doing anything, you're just like, see you later, man. And then you just know you're probably not going to talk to him anymore. So that one scene is pretty much all I want to know about the yeah, rest of that should, game. Yeah. <laughs> but just a, but the plot line. So explain to me. So we know. So it, okay. So critics, I'm sure, did not like it. They panned. It was just. It's a. It was ripped apart. It did not sell well. It sold really bad. Like it was. It Oof. just like even with the name, they were hoping like maybe some people have nostalgia. Nah, I just did not. And then the graphics slash gameplay was garbage. Just passed by. Even at that point, it's like okay at that point, but also like people were like considering that much time in development, it's even worse. It's just like not interesting design or art direction or anything. So dare I ask, when is Dude Nukem Forever 2 coming out? <laughs> well, uh... Oh my god, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. I, I actually kind of want to do some research. I'll report back. But, uh... Yeah, I think uh, I would actually love to see a Duke Nukem Forever sequel that would be him facing trials of, like, war crimes about... Like, holy shit, just, <laughs> like, a, um, and I'm actually flexing my, um, basic, um, uh, video game knowledge. It'll be, like, a Ace Attorney, Attorney game. Yeah, it's actually, oh, that'd be perfect. What are they yeah. actually called? Oh, so, they, the franchise is uh, referring to is, uh, well, it, it is uh, Ace Attorney, and most of the games are about uh, Phoenix Wright. 
and then uh, some of them are about uh, Apollo Justice, and then the most recent two are about uh, the combination of uh, Phoenix Wright and Apollo Justice teaming up. So, and they do a com- combination game where Phoenix Justice, Apollo Wright, what, no, I'm getting it, none <laughs> of those get right, the names right, they team up and they prosecute Duke Nukem, and that'll be like the team up game. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the ultimate would, crossover, yeah. I'm actually killed the Duke Nukem franchise and have the Ace Attorney games keep going. Right? Just, yeah, it's <laughs> benefit from everything. That's Hopefully, a perfect world. That's the only split in this America. Anything can happen. <laughs> we'll get Duke Nukem forever. Yeah. yeah too. So. <laughs> Seeing how things are going now. Uh, anyway, so moving on. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to a more positive game that took a while to come out, and I think this one would be really surprising. I want to get your reaction on this. Resident Evil 4. Oh yeah, so I was talking to you a little bit about this before. Um, I, I actually love this game. It came out in the mid-2000s. Um, it, um, it was the first, after Goldeneye, it's probably my favorite game of all time. Just a fun shooter game. Uh, yeah. You go through this small Mexican town, find out that uh, the whole village is in, uh, infested with aliens, and you just have to kill everyone and save the president's daughter, stuff like that. So very simple plot, but very fun gameplay. Very yeah. fun, you know, weapons you have to use, and just a, a simple plot doesn't, you know, doesn't confuse me too much. Which or, that you know most video games do. <laughs> hurts my brain too much. Yeah, yeah it hurts my brain a lot. Um, I, I think it's a great example of, of um, kind of like in a contrast to to Duke uh, having a simple plot, but not really taking itself too seriously. It's a very much like a fun action movie kind of plot that knows it's not gonna win any awards but it's going to be like along it's like a roller coaster you're going to have fun when you're playing this game and it's going to be a some really funny characters that are just weird and like uh it just you kind of it's a great game one of the best action games of all time but good oh sorry but um kind of elaborate on how it got to that point of being one of the best action games of all time is that it went through <clears throat> about two or three versions of the game until it got to that point uh, and I want to get your uh, reaction on this. Uh, do, do you know of the game is Devil May Cry? Oh, yes. Sorry, I actually do know. And then, so that is, going back to Super Mario Brothers 2, that's like the skin or the reskinned version of a version of Resident Evil 4. Yeah, actually, yeah. So um, what happened was... So smart. <laughs> just genius. Um, but, yeah, what happened was that it was the original uh, Resident Evil 4 was being made being developed, and they got a little bit into it, maybe like a, maybe like a year or so, like a pretty good amount of time. And the game director was he he got really into the game, and but he decided this isn't really a Resident Evil game; it's more action focused, and they were getting away from kind of horror. So they decided, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna like shoot this off into its own franchise of Devil May Cry. So that's why a lot of people talk about with uh, Leon from Resident Evil Four and uh, is Dante. From in, uh, in in Devil May Cry, look very similar to each other. Very kind of like the same style haircut and kind of uh, kind of like aesthetic and stuff. So that was that. So I uh, that's kind of like a a good example of like uh, a game t- like kind of like spinning off and ca- a game almost getting canceled for what it was, the, version, the version it was trying to be, kind of succeeding on being a whole other franchise. So then uh, the second version. And I would urge people, if you're interested, to find the, the footage of this online, because it's a great example 
of kind of like uh, a, a, a lost game that's very fascinating to look at the the final version we got, where it's a Resident Evil Four that was more focused on more focused on uh, the original game's kind of style of, of horror and survival. And uh, some of the great set pieces they had was it, was, it was almost on like an airship, and it looks really cool. It's a very like uh, weird, kind of almost like an older technology look to it. But a big part of the game was supposed to be that uh, you were being, you were infected with a new, uh, a new, um, new virus that would cause you to hallucinate and almost have like, uh, it was almost more like Silent Hill kind of, enemies there's a hook man that would uh, almost constantly come after you and follow you almost like a like uh, almost like an 80s uh, slasher movie like kind of a it's gonna hook you <laughs> he kept singing it too that's like it's gonna hook a you. weird thing I'm gonna hook you. that's why they're like this isn't really scary or good so they sound like it. yeah <laughs> but um he was like a constant kind of uh force that was like coming after you and you would you would shoot at him and he would you know fall over and he would vanish and then Couple hours later, he would have you. He would, you would have him coming after you. Oh, good. That's exactly what I want with my hook. Man. Great. <laughs> exactly. Keep coming after me. Yeah. I know yeah. I killed him like five times. I feel like that's like would maybe be the most frustrating thing for you would be like, oh, full. Well, I just killing a boring cool. villain and then having him come back over and over again <laughs> just to be more boring and more boring. After. They're like, that's not scary. That's more just annoying. Anno- yeah, the most annoying thing possibly could have happened. So, uh, follow up question. On so does this game actually exist or is it just a, you said just footage? It's footage and there is like a demo they had going that has never been released, but it was like early stages of uh, Resident Evil and Leon is in it and he looks he looks pretty much the same as he would in Resident Evil Four. Was like he is pretty much the only thing that was retained from that version, yeah. is then put into uh, the new Resident Evil Four that we know and love. Uh, the final game is. And uh, kind of turned into this new version of what they wanted to do. And it's kind of a good lesson in games development of having, uh, like, almost a kind of knowing your vision and knowing what you want to do with your game and scrapping uh, parts or even whole games that didn't work and then being able to just really go in and think about what we want to do with the game. And that's kind of a lesson to think about in contrast with Duke where sometimes maybe it's for the best to just scrap a game all together and make something better. That sounds like Duke Nukem was a success. <laughs> Which is keep making those games over yeah. again. Um kind of go back on Duke. I think one like uh, also something that kind of like what didn't work is that he had like constantly had uh, catchphrases that he would say that just if you yeah if you were wondering like Kalabunga? <laughs> close. He would uh he would say that he is um it was Balls of Steel. Oh, okay. So it was very much like action movie, like Balls of Steel. In and what context? Just eating cereal? He would just say that to himself? <laughs> just, I, I always imagine Balls like, of he, Steel. He just kind of does crunch. this like, like to himself. Well, he's just walking around and just like saying like just dumb like action movie phrases. And just like, I'm going to tear off your head. All, all this kind of this kind of like, huh. corny stuff. And like saying it to bankers. And, like, like, oh, sir, what would you like to uh, deposit today? Balls of Steel. No, but what money so, would you like to deposit? <laughs> we, we can't do what you're asking. It's disgusting, sir. <laughs> but, uh, so that's the segment on Resident Evil 4. And to close out, 
um, I had a suggestion from a listener and, um, to talk about in this particular game I'm not as familiar with and have not played it, but I'm going to try to attempt to explain as much as I can to Ryan fail. <laughs> this game and how it's maybe the most Japanese game possible. And that's not an insult. I think that's a, that's a compliment. And I'm going to try to pronounce this, but I've it's going to be difficult. Um, it's Katamari Lanes Damasi. Okay. So this game is uh, it's more a franchise. It's had a few games. So this has had more than one game. I think you'll be surprised by. But the basic plot, I'm trying to remember actually a lot of it, is that there's a god, in, there's a, a king in space who oh. decides... Space king. Space king. Uh, he's related to space boat. Um, <laughs> uh, he wants... I'm actually like, I think I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying not to like, people are going to think I have, I have a stroke when I'm describing this game, so I'm trying to make this as easy to understand as possible. Um, he wants uh, more stars in the sky, so he, he tasks the main character to, to uh, have a, you start off as a little ball, and then you basically roll around in town, and you, uh, you're you sticky, and you you stick to things, and you you uh, have objects stick to you, and you you're, the, the goal of the game is to to get your ball as big as possible. Right, I'm just going to stop you right there and ask you how those two sentences were related, where, when, well, it's a noble task. You want more stars in the sky. Sure, that's awesome. <laughs> cool. But then you go to a ball sticking things on Earth. Please bridge the gap between those two ideas. I can. Uh, I don't know how you... Eventually, <laughs> you eventually, you take the, the sticky ball and you stick as much stuff as possible, get as big as you can, he then takes that big, uh, that big ball, and puts it into the sky, which becomes as a star. star. Yeah, he uses it as fuel. I don't, I don't know if, not to disparage the creators of the game, <laughs> but I don't know if they know how stars work. <laughs> They're not just or stars, physics yeah. or anything. So, but it sounds awesome. I'm not against this game whatsoever. It's kind of like a weird. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, not to understate that in this game, it's very weird, but. Uh, and controls is you have to use both sticks on a controller and kind of direct yourself and kind of stick more things and kind of like there's like a time limit sometimes you have to make sure you can get as much things as possible together and kind of be able to roll it up and then be able to uh, have as many many points as possible. You would think the space king would allow him to have as much time as possible because you want that star. Like, yeah. You're gonna be like take as much time as you want. I got I'm a space king. I got all day. <laughs> But he he needs that now. Like it's he's, no, a, he's like I got time crunch. I need those stars right now. It's it's like a project he was working on, and he he's like only has a few hours. Oh shit! Uh, oh come on! And then just he's got Google. How are stars made? Uh, stick things on a ball. Okay, go quick. How fast? Oh, five, like two hours. Oh, okay, dude, dude. Just go. Um. So that's there are several games in this this franchise. That so from that idea spawns how many sequels? At least. Three. And then there's a spinoff game. Um, not spinoff, but I think it's in the same... I'm going to make the very controversial uh, statement. It's in the same universe. It's Nobi Nobi Boy. Oh, yeah. Keep going. <laughs> uh, Nobi Nobi Boy is a, a worm-like creature that you have to, to stretch, and you can stretch them upwards also. Mm. And what you do is... Uh, so he's mostly referred to as Boy. Um, what you do is you stretch as much as possible, and then you have to report you have to report your length to this girl. Uh, and a space queen? <laughs> no, just 
knows oh, girl. girl. Yeah. Oh, okay. So with with how, boy has to tell girl. How are how no how is this game related to that first game? It looks insane. And that's, that's the only relation. <laughs> that's it. It's just that. This so that's game the spinoff game, right? Conquered. Yeah. So, so there's the is spinoff as in taking all meaning of the word spinoff and not using that whatsoever and just making a game that's sort of related. I think so. Basically, they just like the same creators and aesthetic. Maybe that's about right. Maybe I just I just like maybe it's a dream I had. No, I, it's it's a real game. If you so can look it up. If you can well, succinctly as you can, but I don't think there's any way. <laughs> How do these sequels come apart? Uh, come up like plot wise, like. Does he make? Does he need more stars or? I. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to actually read up on it. But it does seem like there is like, uh, like rivals and there's kind of like enemies that you have to kind of work with the space games. Sure, I guess if you're making stars, you're gonna get some enemies. Yeah, I mean, like especially space games have like when when you're the space king, you stay the space king. But uh. When and... you when you shoot the king, you bet <laughs> best not miss. <laughs> The wire. <laughs> so that's basically the premise of all the other ones. They're they're gonna come for him, but yeah. he's gonna stay as the space king. <laughs> basically, yeah, the sequel has uh, Omar come in. Omar after as <laughs> the challenging space king. <laughs> so that's uh, so that's all I have about um, with Katamari the the the, the, the Masi. I like this. With this overall, I really liked uh, our discussion. It turned out really well. I think I, I grew as a person. I learned to hate more video games yeah. than I did before. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm really glad I learned, um, what I learned. We definitely want to have to expand this idea into other video game podcasts. But yeah. um, what would you say was your, um, your favorite out of all? Uh, what What do you say? What would you? What game are you most interested in playing? Um. Just from the discussion. Probably, I'm going to lie and I'm saying Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> but I don't want to play them. I just want to learn more about them. I just know. Yeah. No more. I want to play Devil May Cry, but I think it's too late. I think they're all... Is it all like GameCube or PlayStation 2? Those are on uh, PlayStation 2, most of them. And then uh, one of them is on uh, Xbox 360 and PS3. So they've there's no way of playing them now because they purged all the copies of PlayStation 2 in the world, right? Exactly. They That's how video game consoles work, to my <laughs> knowledge, right? It's, yeah, they just rounded them up and just, like, shot them up in space. That's space game. And then yeah. we have PlayStation 4, so we can't go back and play any Never of those games. Again. So that's, that's nice enough. <laughs> <laughs> well. So, um, yeah, but... Oh, to actually answer... No, yeah, I answered your question. Yeah. Devil May Cry, maybe. Probably. I think that's a good choice. Yeah, I think you would like it. Yeah, and uh, the game I don't ever want to play... <laughs> would be a tie between Mario Baseball, one that you never <laughs> actually mentioned, and Duke Nukem Forever. That's come up. I think every I think everyone can uh, agree on on that statement as a whole that Super Mario Baseball is garbage, but at least Duke Nukem Forever is more garbage. That's a, that's an accurate statement of me not knowing or ever playing or wanting to play <laughs> that game. But okay, so just wrap this up. Um hope everyone enjoyed this. If you have any questions just let us know. Um Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll, um, maybe we'll try to expand. And if you have any suggestions for other video games I should yeah. not look at and Brandon can play, <laughs> I, I'll take all those suggestions. Yeah, if, uh, let us know if there's any other topics you want me to explain to Ryan and try to decipher 
There's more, plenty more out games. there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, just to sign off, uh, this is Ryan. And this is Brandon. All right, thanks for listening, and have a good evening, night, morning, whenever you listen Week. to this. Bye. Good. Bye. Shut off.